The reading is from Luke 2, verses uh, 25 through 32. It's Luke 2, 25 through 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the, Lord Je- the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Absence ought to make the heart grow fonder. Sometimes it doesn't. But I want you to know that our absence has made my heart grow fonder. I'm thankful and I've longed for this day to be able to stand before you once again and say thank you for all the prayers, for all the concerns, for all the cards, for the meals, for the well wishes, and for just the text messages to say we're just checking on you. I know that you've done that for other members that have uh, been afflicted, been uh, gummed down with COVID or whatever the ailment may be, and I want you to know I, I love you and I appreciate you on a personal level, and I've wanted to tell you that. Thank you, church, so much for your prayers. I also have been longing for this day for another reason. Isn't it amazing how a little bit of absence makes us appreciate more what we have? And the singing sound a little sweeter this morning. Haven't you been paying just a little bit closer attention this morning to the prayers and to the Lord's Supper and thinking about how wonderful it is that, mercy, we don't have to do what we had to do for the last several weeks on an extended period. I made mention in several weeks ago in the bulletin that there are still places in our country where people are still meeting virtually, where they still haven't in a year's time been able to come back together. In fact, you might have read what's going on in California right now that they said it's, it's okay for the churches to meet, but they just can't sing together. That's our country. But how blessed we are and how we ought to sing out the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, we're grateful to be together. We're thankful so much for you and for uh, being here this morning. If you are still joining us via live stream, we are looking forward to seeing you as well. I want to talk just for a few minutes just about light this morning. Light. The theme for the year is shine. And I want to bring your attention to something that we take for granted every day, and that is light. We don't often think about light. We just assume and we take for granted a lot of times that it's there. When you got up this morning and probably the first thing you did like my, uh, is go into your bathroom and you want to turn on the light. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Depending on what you might see in the mirror or just uh, whether you're one of those people that adjusts well to the light whenever you turn it on. But at some point, you probably flicked a switch or your spouse or your children or somebody flicked a switch and light came on so that you could see to get ready to make your breakfast to do those things that you normally do on a regular basis. We take for granted those lights, and it's funny to me that whenever you're in a, in a storm and, and the power is knocked out, that one of the first things I'll do is I'll go to the light switch and try and flick the light switch to say maybe it's just a breaker or, or maybe it'll just magically come on if I just flick the switch enough times. We love and we understand the value and the benefit of light. 
At nighttime, at nighttime, I appreciate Highway 59. Yes, I said it. I appreciate Highway 59 because they've got those massive poles and they've got those exceedingly bright lights. Even though it doesn't help to drive on the road, it helps to illuminate the construction that's there so that you and I can make it effectively. We take for granted a lot of times the lights in the night. We think about taking advantage of the lights that we have in our well, in our availability, we've got flashlights, we've got night lights, we've got front lights, we've got back lights, we've got phone lights. We've got all kinds of different lights to be able to illuminate our paths and to be able to make something a little bit clearer by shining a little bit of light on it. Metaphorically, don't we talk about, well, look on the bright side. When something bad happens in our lives, when we have tragedy or when we have difficulty that occurs, well, we can always look on the bright side. We sing the song, keep on the sunny side of life, or I do sometimes just in my, in my, in my head. That's what goes on, you know, on a daily basis. And you try and keep on the sunny side or look on the bright side or, or there's always dawn after a dark night. Don't that have, doesn't that have some kind of understanding about the illuminating power and the the optimistic power that light has. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. When we talk about God being light, I want to spend just a few minutes this morning discussing that because a lot of times, like the lights in our life, we might take for granted the fact that God is always going to be there and God is always going to be shining his light. And we just assume that that's a reality of our lives, that God is, is light and, and God's always just going to be there. And we don't really think about him the way that we ought to as being light, as being good, as being everything that we ought to be. And God being good and shining, well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I take for granted that God's always going to accomplish a purpose and he chooses to do so without me shining like I ought to. That is, God's got a purpose to accomplish in this world. We understand that it's God's desire that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And yet, at the same time, God chooses to shine. But God chooses to shine utilizing you and me. And that's ultimately where we're going this morning, so put that in the back of your mind just for a moment. As we talk just for a mo few moments about... A Four simple characteristics about God and about him shining and about his light. First one I want to look at this morning. What about God's light? God's light is constant. God's light is, if somebody was to come to you and say, describe your God. Tell me about your God, the God that you serve there at the Graber Road Church of Christ. Tell me about who he is. Give me something that gives me an indication of his character. You know, one of the first places I'll go is Genesis chapter 1. Because as you get to verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, was, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out, without form and void, and, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, and God said, what was the very first thing, uh, the downbeat of creation that God did that indicates something about his character? God said, let there be light. And there was light. Everything else in creation was based upon that light that God created at the very beginning. Can you consider the bird life and the plant life and, and our lives? What would happen if we didn't have light in our lives? We'd wither away. 
They talk about depression sometimes and how the winter months are, are difficult for people, particularly because there's an absence of sunlight and how that causes a whole lot of people to feel down because light is life and that is who, is, who God is. Consider the fact that I mentioned just a moment ago from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. John, as he establishes this theme clearly of light and darkness, he mentions this right at the outset of his epistle. Uh, this is the message you've heard from the beginning that God is light. What's his nature? What's his character? It's light. In him is no darkness at all. You remember that when God called Moses to be a savior for Israel, as Moses is out there in the wilderness tending the shepherd, uh, sheep of Midian, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, you remember that Moses looks and what does he see? He sees a light upon a hillside. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a bush in a flame of fire. And Moses looks at this and he sees that the bush is there. It's on fire, but it's not consumed. Isn't that a model for God's nature? Our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. And how God in his very nature emanates energy, emanates light. It's constant. It's who he is. It's not subject to change. One of the things God wanted in his tabernacle as he gave Moses the blueprints there on Mount Sinai, the latter chapters of Exodus, was he wanted a lampstand, a sevenfold lampstand to be burning perpetually, continually, a model not only for his word, but also for his character. Look at understanding who he is fundamentally. You look at God's light being constant. Psalmist metaphorically said, God is the one who covers himself with a garment of light. I had a cat growing up, white cat who's got hair everywhere. It was a mess. But this cat was always skilled at going to the sunniest place in the house. And that cat could just lay there on its back with its paws up in the air, just sucking in that light. I mean, I would go and lay down next to the cat just for a minute, just because it was a cute cat. And, and I would lay down there for a minute and I would be ready to move because but that cat's soaking up that sunlight. Can you imagine wrapping yourself in a nice warm blanket, but then imagine God taking a sunbeam and pulling that around him just like a garment. It's his nature. It's his character. It's who he is. God is light, and him is no darkness at all. The psalmist, talking about a difficult time in their lives, where God had sent them off into captivity, and the people had suffered because of their sins and because of the darkness that was in them. But the psalmist comes back to this and he says, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, the, the salvation of the Lord. And he says, They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. How many of the songs we sing have to deal with the light of God, stepping in the light, walking in sunlight, send the light. That's the people of God. And as God shines, as God shines in his constancy, as God is not subject to, uh, to diminish or to, to change, we're walking, striving to walk in the light, soaking up his rays, so to speak. In fact, when the darkness comes and when the difficulties come, when sometimes there's wickedness that overshadows us in our world, and all we're tempted to see is just the darkness of the things that are going on around us, doesn't matter where you look, there's darkness there if you were looking for it. The psalmist gives us some encouragement, Psalm 36 and verse 9. He says, for with you, Lord, is the, joy, or the fountain of life. He's talking about the satisfaction that the Lord provides, and he says, in your light, we see light. 
It's not a matter of the darkness overtaking us. It's a matter of us walking in the light and understanding that as we constantly walk with him, as we stand in his light, which is not subject to change, we're going to continue to be able to see the truths that are blinded from our world. Notice this number two about the light of God. God's light is not just constant, but God's light is helpful. There's a difference in what we use helpful lights for. As I mentioned, uh, Highway 59, you know, those massive lights on the pole. You ever try and read by those lights? I try to do that a couple times in the car, you know, trying to just open up a book and read. And you have to read in short increments because the lights only come periodically. There's a difference between trying to read by one of those lights and then having a little book light to illuminate what's right there in the page in front of you. But anybody ever try and drive by a book light? The type of light we use matters, doesn't it? And the type of light we use for different purposes matters. But when I look at God and when I look at his light, his light is helpful not only if I'm trying to walk a particular path, but if I'm trying to illuminate something that's difficult and that's small that's right in, right in front of me. Consider 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and following. Right on the heels of what we mentioned, Moses going up on Mount Sinai, Paul spent an inordinate amount of time, or not an inordinate amount of time, but Paul spent an amount of time in chapter 3 talking about Moses going up into the mountain and getting this glorious ministry, this glorious, uh, this glorious uh, 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 covenant of God. And as Moses came back down, you remember what he had to do. And Paul says, Moses, because he shone. His face was shining, and as he talked to the people and gave them the commandments of God, he had to put a veil over his face so that the people wouldn't, well, they wouldn't stare. I can't imagine talking to a guy that's just glowing like a light bulb, but, but that's, that's Moses. That's the idea of what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then he gets to chapter 4 and talks about a Christian's ministry. He talks about this more glorious ministry that Christ has given us. And he says, it is God who commanded to light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to, get to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He says, what we're doing, Christians, is we don't have to wear a veil like Jesus did, or excuse me, like Moses did, because what we've seen is the glorious gospel of Christ. We've seen the ministry of Jesus, and that's what's given us, and that's what we shine. We shine to be helpful in the midst, in the context of the God of this age who has blinded this world. You think about the blindness that's going on around us. You think about the ignorance of people with regard to the knowledge of God and with regard to who Jesus is. Did you ever think that you might be the one that's shining in a way that might possibly be helpful to somebody to help them to understand and to have the blinders taken off so the light of God can shine in their hearts to reveal to them who Jesus is? That's Paul talking about his ministry here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Psalmist famously said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The implication of that in Psalm 119 and talking about the greatness of the word of God and the, the power of it is that it illuminates our path. It helps us to see what's right before us. Because sometimes if you're stumbling around in your house in the darkness, you can cause some great hurt, can't you? Step on those Legos, man. It takes its toll. 
(laughs) Your word is that, a helpful light to light our path, to illuminate the darkness. God's light is helpful. Why is that? Because God himself is light. Because God himself is known as the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There's a couple things about this that I want to draw your attention to. Number one, it talks about the light being good. But in this context and in this passage, he's referring specifically of God's will that brought us forth by the word of truth. That's verse 18. And he says, every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow or variation, he's referring to the wonderful message that you hold in your lap, hopefully open, the helpful word of God that gives us light. But the second thing I want to draw your attention to based upon James chapter 1 verse 17 is the fact that, I was about to say as the world turns, but that's an old soap opera, right? You understand that there's things that the light's shining on right now that won't be in just a little while because the earth is moving, because the earth is turning. It says that God, as he shines his light, as the father of light, God's not rotating and God's not changing the way that his light shines. You're always going to find God in the exact same place where he was, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That is, God is not going to, to move to the tides of, of earth. God's not going to move to the things that, that, that might be popular today and, and not popular tomorrow. God is going to always be in the exact same place, shining, helpfully. That's who he is, constantly. Number three, impartially. God is shining his light impartially. Kevin read from Luke chapter 2, verse 32 and following. Simeon, old man standing there in the temple waiting for the day that he was going to be able to see the Lord's Messiah because God had promised that, there was not, that Simeon wasn't going to taste death until it was that he had seen the salvation of the Lord. And as Mary and Joseph brought that little infant child into the temple... By the Spirit, Simeon goes and picks up that child in his arms and looks at it and says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace because I've been able to see your salvation. And note the words he uses. He says, a light to bring revelation to the Gentile and a glory to your people, Israel. You see, Jesus' coming was not just about Israel. It wasn't just about the glorification of the Jewish nation. It wasn't just about them being established as a national power, but it was a light to you and me. Gentiles, all men, the last, the least, and the lost. And as that salvation comes, that light shines, and it shines impartially. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 5, speaking of Jesus again, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it talking about people when they encountered Jesus. They would look at him and say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Still today, when you preach Jesus, it's going to cause some kind of reaction. And a lot of times the people are so steeped in their sin and they're so invested in whatever it is that they're involved with, they're going to look at Jesus and say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't get it. I don't understand him. But the light of Jesus still shines impartially. I think about, David started in Ephesians 4 this morning, talking about the way that the body works. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
verses 11 through 14 and talking about the way that the body comes together. Excuse me, this is Ephesians chapter 5, not 4, I apologize. But Ephesians chapter 5 and mentioning the body and the way that the church ought to be functioning and the way that the church ought to be organized. Chapter 5 talks about the type of character and lifestyle that we cultivate. And he says, you are all children of light. And then he goes on and says, don't have any purpose or don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Why? He says, rather expose them, for it's shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Brothers and sisters, we are light. We are sons of light. We are children of light because we're following the father of lights. And as we come to our application, understand that as we shine as lights, people look at our works, they look at the way that we behave ourselves, they look at our character and they look at our conduct and they say there's something different about you. And as we expose darkness in other people, we don't do that because we're being malicious or because we're being, we're, because we're being mean. It's because we're upholding the standard of the Father of lights. We're shining his light. And what's going to happen is that's going to expose impartially the darkness that's in people. You know why? Our culture, our country is growing increasingly intolerant against Christianity. It's because we're upholding the perfect light that is God. And his standard. And the darker our world gets, the more they want us to accept messages of darkness. That you've got to accept unholy lifestyles, ungodly lifestyles, unholy things. Things that are, belong squarely and are squarely in the unfruitful works of darkness. And he says, you don't have any fellowship with those things. You still be the light. Doesn't mean that we're singling people out. Doesn't mean that we're trying to Write the scales of justice. It means we're committed to shining the light of a holy God and showing people there's a better way. There's a better thing for you. And that salvation that Christ died on the cross to purchase, the church is for you. The body of the believers is for you. The kingdom is for you. Whether Jew or Gentile, impartially, God's light doesn't discriminate. God's light shines constantly, helpfully, impartially. Number four, attractively. Attractively. God's light is attractive. Matthew quoting from the prophet Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of shadow and death, a light has dawned. Listen, ever go to a really dark place like a movie theater? Ever go visit, uh, I remember visiting Cave of the Winds when I was a kid. We took the kids several years ago up in uh, Colorado Springs. And how at one point they turn out the light. I can't deal with caves too much, honestly. I go in the caves and I'm just ready to get out and taste some fresh air. But when you go and you see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's another optimistic saying that we use sometimes, isn't it? And you go and you see that there's light at the end of the tunnel and you get out in that light, you're appreciative of it. That's the way that Isaiah is characterizing this light. There's people who have been sitting in darkness for so long. That's all they know. 
You know anybody like that? That if they saw the light of the gospel, that they would say, that's something different. You're talking about forgiveness of sins. You're talking about freedom from guilt of what I've done in the past. You're talking about God wiping the slate clean and me walking with an upright heart for the rest of my life. That's attractive. That's what Jesus brought, Matthew 4, 16. And as he commanded his disciple in the very next chapter, in the very next, uh, in the same verse, but chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I do that to make attractive by our good works, by what we're doing, by how we regard people, by how we impartially treat other people and how we, how we helpfully help them to understand the salvation of God. That's your job. That's my job, to shine. God's light is attractive. And after, we're learning down here on Kidsing on Sunday evening. We're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that as well this evening. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. But in the same context, he says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Why, Paul? If you're following the mind of Christ, as he talks about there in the first 11 verses, why would I follow the mind of Christ? He says, I want you to do these things so that you can become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Note this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. People look at Christians and they ought to see a joy and they ought to see a characteristic where we're not going to be bothered by the things that are around us. We're not going to be bothered to the point of complaining and griping about every little thing and about the difficulties that we face and about the hardships we go through or about how, how this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. He says you don't do that. You don't complain. You don't dispute. But you shine as lights. Part of the way that we shine our lights is by not complaining or disputing. We make Christianity attractive. We make God's light attractive by the way we shine. Bring this together, please. These four characteristics, just simple characteristics about God's light and about the nature of it. God's light is constant. God's light is helpful. God's light is impartial. God's light is attractive. That's the way the Bible paints it. But remember what I said at the very beginning. We assume sometimes that God is going to shine without us. And he will. But the truth is, God wants to shine because of us. As we talk about who we are as a church family, we don't get to decide the agenda. We don't get to decide the platform on which we base everything that we do. That's already been decided by Christ at the cross. That's already been decided by what the apostles revealed to the early church about what the church is and what the church should be. The church should be evangelistic, going out and shining the light to those who are in darkness. The church should be edifying, trying to build up the members who are here and to encourage them and strengthen them in the way that God wants them to go. The church should be benevolent in doing good works and giving to those who have need and helping others to, 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 to have the things that they ought to do. That's what the church ought to be. That's the mission of the church. But brothers and sisters, in shining the light of God, don't we think that 
our purpose, both collectively as a church family, but also my membership as an individual member of the Grave Road Church of Christ, ought to be based in the things that God does, that my life ought to be seen as something that's constant, constant shining, living every day for the glory of God. Don't I think that my life should be something that's helpful to others who are in darkness? Don't I think that my life ought to be something that's, well, that's, that's impartial, that I'm going to help whoever's in front of me, that I'm going to try and treat them with a measure of respect and honor because that's a soul that matters to God, that my light is going to be something that's attractive, that's not going to cause somebody to look at Christianity and say, no, I don't want any of that. If that person's a model of Christian and he's shining his light, no thank you, sir. I'll go someplace else. Our mission, our light at Graber Road in being evangelistic and being edifying and being benevolent ought to mirror the light of the God that we're trying to shine. Just for a moment, let me draw your attention to our plan of work. If you got the announcements, or excuse me, got the bulletin via email, and I believe that everybody should be on that list that's a member here, you get the, the email there on Saturdays, you'll scroll to the bottom of the one you got yesterday. You'll find that the plan of work has been attached as a PDF. If you don't know what a PDF is or you don't know how to open it, that's fine because we've got hard copies in the back. And as you go and you find a plan of work that has this nice cover on it. Appreciate Chandler Albers for his uh, design work and, and putting this together, and certainly Troy and Chandler for putting the signs out on the, on the sides. This is what we're about this year. And as it is February, as David mentioned, got a little bit of a late start, couldn't do anything about that. But let's build some momentum, church, and understanding that our responsibility is to shine. Let me draw your attention to a few things that we are super excited about this year. The first thing is, I want you to write down in your date books, in your planners, I want you to put it in your calendar right now, March, chapter, March 6th, March 7th. March 6th, March 7th. One month from now, we are having an evangelistic workshop with Rob and Nicole Whitaker. I know schedules fill up quickly. I know there's a lot going on. And I know that as things get revved back up in our world, a lot of those things are going to start taking our time. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to solemnly exhort you to free up your calendar for March 6th and March 7th. 5th and 6th. Thank you, Brandy. March 5th and March 6th. Because what we're going to do is as a congregation, we're going to learn how to shine evangelistically. Rob Whitaker is one of the best brothers to be able to teach evangelism, personal evangelism, in the brotherhood. My older brother calls him a linebacker's coach. You listen to him for a few minutes and you're going to feel like you're going to be able to run through a brick wall. If you want to know how to teach the gospel, you can do it. If you want to know how to reach friends and family members, you can do it. If you want to know how to have a method, a study a session, an ability to, to sit down with somebody and have a structured outline to go through to take somebody from the point where they understand what they need to do to become a Christian, you will be blessed by being here. Can we set a goal for this? 
Can we set a goal of 200 of our members attending personally or watching via live stream? We need this as a church family, brothers and sisters, because if we're going to be individually and collectively a church of the New Testament, we have got to learn to shine. There are people in darkness all around us, friends, family members, coworkers, individuals that you're just going to meet out whenever you're, at, whenever you're eating lunch today. And those people need the gospel. And here's an opportunity. Here's an answer. You may be an answer to their prayers. March 5th and 6th. We are super excited about that because it's going to help us shine. We're super excited because at the end of April, we've got a meeting with Kyle Butt from Apologetics Press. Kyle has been working for years in the area of apologetics. He is polished. He's an amazing apologist. And if you've got people that have questions about the age of the earth or about the inspiration of the Bible or about, uh, about whether or not God exists, people that are walking in darkness you have an opportunity to invite them to come and hear a man who is able and capable to proclaim the gospel to them and to help them with that. We are super excited about that. If you're a lady and you've uh, always wanted to teach a Bible class, or maybe you've never wanted to teach a Bible class, or maybe that uh, you've thought that that's been something for somebody else, beginning of May, we've got two of the best teachers in the brotherhood Elementary school age teachers, April Meacham, Tia McCorder, who are going to teach a ladies' day or ladies' couple of days in order to help our Bible class program and encourage you as a teacher. Maybe you're burned out. I understand sometimes that happens as teachers. And I know that sometimes we just need a shot in the arm. These two ladies are the ladies that are going to do it. Lord willing, I know that they're going to do an excellent job. That's something we're excited about. Brothers and sisters, we've got deacons that have been working tirelessly. We've got men and women, uh, men who have been uh, planning uh, activities and, and things that are going to build up the local body. We've got a young man's song leading workshop and an old man's song leading workshop that's going to happen uh, probably sometime around the summer. If you've ever wanted to learn how to lead singing, if you've ever wanted to be uh, one of those that's in the regular rotation, we're excited about this. We're excited, church, because we're committed we're committed not because we've got this paper that says we're committed. We're committed because we're disciples of Jesus. And as we look through the things that are going on in our plan of work, and as we look through the things we want to accomplish this year, realize that maybe like 2020, bottom may fall out and everything may shut down again. But you know what? We're still going to shine. We're still going to be the people of God. And we're going to make plans of things that are going to be constant, attractive, impartial, and helpful to the world around us because church, that's what Jesus wants us to be. Are you shining the way that you ought to? Homework for every Christian. I want you, if you do get a copy of the plan of work, hard copy or PDF, once you go home at least some point today, maybe before bedtime, sit down with your family, look through it together. Look through some of the activities and the things that are going on because there is something for you to help you learn to shine, to help you to be able to shine. And I want you to sit down with your family and I want you to talk about the things that you're excited about. I want you to list some of the things that sound like they're for your family and for, uh, for the people in your household. 
I want you to, to as, as a family, say, all right, let's look at these things and let's, let's commit all these, these dates to memory or let's put them down on our calendar so that we can be involved. Church, let's make that commitment because God wants us to shine. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Our holy God, Father in heaven, we're so grateful to be here this morning and be in your presence. We're so grateful for your grace and for your mercy. We're so thankful, Father, for your continued goodness and the fact that you still shine in our world. God, as we, as your people, we recognize we're not everything that we ought to be. We recognize, Father, the patience that you have with us, the care that you offer to us, and the continued love, Father, that you have for us. And we pray, Father, that your blessings upon this congregation, upon this church family. We're so thankful, Father, for our elders who shepherd our souls, who take such good care of us, Father, who have forethought, who have foresight, who want us, Father, to be evangelistic, who want us to be, well, more like Jesus every day. And God, as we enact this plan of work, as we put, it to, uh, put to feet to pavement, we pray, Father, your blessings upon us. We know, God, that we can do nothing apart from you. And we pray, Father, your blessings upon us as we try and live for you every day. Father, bless our evangelistic workshop. Bless our teacher's workshop. Bless our apologetics workshop. We pray, Father, for the things that are going on, for the youth activities, for the young children activities, for the older Christian activities, for the family activities, for all the things, dear God, that we want to do and want to accomplish. We ask for your blessings that we can keep our spiritual purpose, that our purpose is to shine in the midst of a perverse and dark generation. Thank you, God, so much for your grace and for your goodness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your kind attention this morning. If you're subject to the invitation, we're ready to receive you. The Lord's ready to receive you. If you're ready to obey the gospel, I don't think we maybe made public mention about this, but... We do have two relatively new Christian sisters in our midst. Kristen Tidwell obeyed the gospel, I guess, in the beginning of January. Is that right? And then Kenna Hall, just before we uh, stopped meeting. Be sure and give those ladies a, I was going to say hug around the neck, but a fist bump. We Please welcome them to the family. If you'd like to be a part of the family of God, we'd love to be able to assist you. If you'd love to study more about the gospel, if we can help you in whatever way we can, why don't you make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song.